Hello, and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast, an ongoing conversation about public policy, governance, and global issues. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and joining us today is Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Dr. Tyson is an astrophysicist, director of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, best-selling author, frequent host of NOVA on PBS, and will soon host the reboot to Carl Sagan's Cosmos series. Neil, it's great to have you on the policy. Thanks, Matt, for having me. Thanks. So this is my first time actually on the campus of the Kennedy School. Is that right? And I don't know if you knew this, but my father was one of the original Kennedy School fellows back in the early 1970, actually. And before there was the physical buildings that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I do have a sort of genetic link to the place, but this is my first time back. Well, we welcome you for your first time. I hope you've enjoyed your time so far. (laughs) Hopefully it won't be that uh, painful through the podcast. All six minutes that I've been here have been (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) You've been such a gracious host in those six minutes. (laughs) I'm glad to have been. Uh, So there's been a lot of discussion about getting kids interested in STEM education, science science, technology, engineering, math. Is that right? Yeah. I'm wondering how you personally got interested in astrophysics as a career path. I was nine years old, and it was a first visit to the local planetarium where I grew up, which, of course, was the Hayden Planetarium in New York City. And that I, I felt like I had no choice in the matter that the universe chose me. <laughs> I was, I was, the, the sky poured out of the dome and reached in and coursed through my body. And now at age nine, you're not thinking career. You're just thinking, does it feel good or, or, or not? And it was not until maybe I was 11 where I put it all together and realized you can make a career out of this. And it was from that age onward, I had an answer to that annoying question that adults always ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be an astrophysicist. They usually just shuts them up and they walk away. <laughs> they don't say, oh, I know an astro, you know, this, it stops the conversation. But I was, I was pretty directed and determined ever since then. There are a lot of kids who uh, want to be astronauts when they grow up. And I was asked that. They heard I was interested in space. You want to be an astronaut? Like, no. Uh, maybe if we go somewhere, but if you're just going to drive around the block and claim that you're going into space, I, I'm, I'm not having that conversation. And so most of space, most of NASA's activity, other than the six voyages to the moon, most of NASA's activities are going to low Earth orbit, which is about a couple of hundred miles up. Mm-hmm. And that's not very far away from the Earth. You know, if you're on the ground, it feels like it's high up and far, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's about the distance from New York to Boston, except straight up. Mm-hmm. And we drive that, we fly that all the time. Uh, if you're going to take me to Mars, I'll sign up. But until then, I'm not having that conversation. <laughs> You've spoken before about, um, <clears throat> I guess, uh, being somewhat uninterested in commercial suborbital flights and things like uh, Felix Baumgartner's uh, jump from, uh, uh, I think it was 160,000 feet or something from like that. From what they called the edge of space. Exactly. Yeah, I tweeted. I said, edge of space, the corresponding jump on a schoolroom globe begins one millimeter above its surface. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to call that the edge of space, I'm not going to stop you. But that doesn't mean I have to agree. <laughs> so I guess my question is, uh, if we're trying to... Oh, wait. So you commented inter- about the commercial dimension of this. I fully embrace commercial participation mm-hmm. in this. I think there's been some delusional... That's a strong word. I think people have misunderstood the 
actual role that commercial space enterprise can and will take. And I, I spent a big part of my recent book on this, Space Chronicles, Facing the Ultimate Frontier. In fact, the original title of that book was Failure to Launch the Dreams and Delusions of Space Enthusiasts because they get so much wrong because they're so close to the problem that they don't step back and see the causes and effects of what happens and, wh and why and what can drive it. So the point is, yes, NASA needs private enterprise. They've used private enterprise from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Grumman Aerospace built the LEM, the Lunar Excursion Module, for the Apollo program. It's Grumman, right? So mm -hmm. this is not a new thing that corporations participate in this, mm -hmm. aerospace corporations. The SpaceX docking with the space station, about which a lot has been written. People, so it opens a new era. Well, that should have been opened 30 years ago, where NASA pays someone else to carry the luggage. Mm -hmm. All right? I mean, the postal system doesn't have their own airplanes. Mm -hmm. They lease space on efficient commercial carriers. That's, that's not a new business model. It's an old business model. And so when it's time to do the routine things, the, it's very natural to get corporations to assist NASA. I have no problems with that. So w in your speech to the uh, 28th uh, National S uh, Space Symposium, oh, you saw that. Okay. I did, mm -hmm. uh, you, you spoke about space culture. And I'm wondering how, uh, even if the things like Felix Baumgartner, like Virgin Galactic, those things, even if they're not quite going into space, don't they support that idea of space culture? Yeah, they do, but they're not real. That's the problem. I'd rather real things do the supporting of space culture, like a real mission to Mars. The Actually, if you could <clears throat> explain a little bit about space culture, what what that is and how it's important. Yeah, if you walk around saying, well, space is what space people do, but I'm into something else, that misses the power of a space adventure on thoughts you have and on industry and on school and on art. If you look at the 1960s, as a reference frame here, everyone was thinking about the future. After it was announced that we were going to the moon, everyone was thinking about the future. Space was the metaphor. It wasn't just the literal access to a future that would be brought to you by science and technology. It was metaphor for so many other human activities in the era. Remind you, this the 60s, we are in a Cold War with the Soviet Union, a hot war in Southeast Asia. The civil rights movement is going full gangbusters. Yet we still found the time to write and read articles on the city of tomorrow, the home of tomorrow, transportation of tomorrow. Anyone alive in that era remembers these articles. The World's Fair in New York was all about tomorrow. The World's Fair didn't create that era. That era created that World's Fair. And when you put all this together and, you, and assess the causes and effects of things, you begin to realize that our adventures in space shaped what you valued in society. It shaped the, the, the TV program. Suppose you were not a scientist, an engineer, or an engineer. Suppose you weren't. You're an artist, you're an author, you're a screenwriter, a, a, a screenplay writer. Whatever is your trade, it influenced your trade. And even at, at simple levels, like the TV show I Dream of Genie, it had an astronaut, a genie and an astronaut. Right? Somebody had to think that up.
Mm-hmm. Could that have been thought up in another era? I, I don't think so. Uh, other things, Star Trek is born, the TV series. And yes, there's been science fiction all the time, but that one was born during the Gemini transition into the Apollo era. And so we were going to the moon, and here was a, 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 an intelligent, well-thought-out series that exists to this day in derivative franchises as movies and as, you know, that's what I mean by space culture. It can affect what you think tomorrow will be, mm-hmm. whether or not you're even the, the, whether or not you're the driver of what tomorrow brings, you embrace the fact that others are participants in it. And you might vote in a way that enables that to happen. Support policies that promote research and technology and uh, the role of these in shaping a tomorrow that we all used to dream about. And I think today just simply take for granted. So you've been a big advocate for specifically doubling NASA's budget. Well, doubling is a nice round number. You know, it's a half Mm -hmm. a penny is the current fraction of your tax dollar. And I did the math on this. If you take a dollar bill with scissors and you cut one half of 1% of its width, you don't even get into the paint, right? You could cut that and no one would notice that the bill looked any different. So I figured double it, then NASA can go to Mars in a big way and send astronauts back to the moon, onto Mars, and maybe check out that asteroid that has us in our sights, in its sights. And it's that sort of approach that uh, it's that enrichment of adventure that doubling the NASA's budget would bring. But uh, you can call me an advocate or a supporter, but I I don't join movements. I don't even start movements. I just put it out there. And if it influences others and they want to start a movement, that's fine. But I don't. I don't actually publicly associate with any movement at all. You've uh, even though there's a website called PennyForNASA.org. I don't. Uh, my name isn't on it, uh, except possibly because they're referencing something I said. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. I don't sign petitions. I think in a democracy, people ought to be enlightened and educated so that they can make an intelligent decision about their own future. And as an educator, I see my task as not influencing their lawmakers, but influencing the electorate itself so that they can then make the decision they think is necessary. Well, you've said that um, a lot of people who are not space enthusiasts um, see space, the idea of space, as a special interest. Yeah. Is it, a sp- is it not a special interest because, that's it, because funding for NASA influences that space culture? Yes, precisely, and- precisely, period. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, you can think of it as special interest, pork barrel, because there are 10 NASA centers and there's a representative at each center. And that representative, when they're in Congress, say nice things about NASA as you'd expect them to because there are jobs in that person's district or in that senator's state. Okay, that would go on with any state-based, with any activity where the efforts of a representative can support the job base. Fine. Now take the next step. What are the consequences to these investments? Well, we're going into space. 
people didn't say, oh, Houston landed on the moon. Florida landed on the moon. America landed on the moon. Even though two major centers are in Houston and Florida, the Johnson Space Center and the Kennedy Space Center. Named after the same Kennedy of where we are. <laughs> John so happens. Kennedy. What a coincidence. <laughs> so I... Uh, so I think people need the foresight. They need the wisdom to recognize that not all local state spending is local to the state. So beyond the cultural impact, what it seems like there's there's a difference between um, how it influences the culture and what that culture actually produces. I mean, uh, you talked about uh, fins on the V2 influencing <laughs> the cars. Well, fins on cars weren't exactly the you know the greatest uh, innovation of the 19th or 20th centuries. Uh, you know, how does it actually influence uh, a, a better? community a better uh you, you didn't like world the fins? for us <laughs> they were awesome you couldn't get a date unless your car had fins i'm just letting you know that right now all right okay. so you come in decades later saying what were fins about i mean mm -hmm. i'm telling you so uh no so i value the fact that the influence of space exploration brought fins to cars because it's it's a flavor factor of your life and of your culture. I value the fact that I have on my shelf a box of Band-Aid brand bandages that glow in the dark with moons and planets and stars on them, right? You can say, well, how does that make it? No, it's not a better Band-Aid, but it makes life a little richer, a little more interesting, a little... Uh... Now, you want to ask, does it stoke economies? That's an important question. The answer is most assuredly, and in fact, I think there's no greater force of nature operating out there than NASA and its capacity to stoke a future economy. And it has nothing to do with spinoffs. We, we all love our spinoffs. And there's huge lists and there's compendia of spinoffs that you can find. I can give you a reference to that. The Space Foundation in Florida gives an award each year for the most commercially uh, the most innovative, commercially viable product that came directly from patents from space. Right? So there's an organization that tracks this. Mm -hmm. uh, Temperfoam is among them that became Tempur-Pedic mattresses. That's mm -hmm. uh, all true. That on the ad they said, yeah, just like NASA. It's true. It was just like NASA. NASA invented yeah. that for that purpose. Fine. So uh, I claim that if, you, if everyone is excited about space, Headlines cascade like waterfalls on what next space frontier is breached. You influence a generation of students who then want to become scientists and engineers because those headlines, they see it daily. And they recognize the value of interest in STEM fields. And then they become scientists and engineers. And if they don't, they become fields that might support that activity. If you're a lawyer, I don't want to be a scientist, I want to be a lawyer, but I like the science. Maybe I'll get into space law. Who owns the mineral rights of that asteroid? Who owns the asteroid? Can you own an asteroid? Should you own an asteroid? If I'm an artist, I'd be influenced by space themes. If I, as I said earlier from the 1960s, if I write teleplays, I might invent a TV show that has characters that are space-based. Mm -hmm. And space then becomes part of the culture once again, because right now it is not. Mm -hmm. So there aren't 
a large number of astrophysicists with the celebrity, I think, that uh, you've in- established. Well, what? Stephen Hawking, he, he's up there, although he's technically he's a physicist, but all his most popular stuff is when he talks about the universe. Right, right. <laughs> well, what's that been like for you personally? I mean, did you set out in your career? No, you no. Think fact, this was gonna I'd, be? I'd just assume go go back home. <laughs> Stay at home and play with my kids. I don't, I don't, yeah. uh, I had no ambitions to be popular uh, or no ambitions to be a TV person. Uh, I'm, I, I, I serve a cosmic appetite that I'm, uh, I'm never, there's no end to the, how enchanted I feel when I see the public themselves become enchanted by the universe. I, I used to think I was biased that the universe was a cool place. I'm not biased. It is a cool place. <laughs> it's just cool, period. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You get sort of oceanographers that say, you know, we know more about space than the bottom of the ocean. We need funding for the bottom of the ocean. And, and I agree. There should be funding there. But it's not, your argument shouldn't be we should do it because space has more funding than you. Mm-hmm. All right? You stand in front of a classroom of eighth graders and say, there are life forms that we might discover down at the bottom of the ocean. We've never been there. It's dark. It's, it's, there could be uh, hidden secrets waiting our discoveries. Mm-hmm. Join me. That sounds pretty cool. Then I say, one of the moons of Jupiter, Europa, is kept warm by the gravitational action of the planet itself and has melted the surface ice into oceans that have been liquid for billions of years. I want to go ice fishing on Europa and see if life evolved on that moon, who's with me? I, I win. I, I, I win that every time. Mm-hmm. Put a geologist in front of the class, and they'll say, "Well, this is a volcano that's about to erupt, and we want to understand it and what's driving it." That's cool. Right. All right. And I say, uh, "Titan, one of the moons of Saturn, has has an ice volcano. <laughs> it's hurling." frozen chunks out, you know, and it's a kind of volcano we know very little about. Who's with me? I, I, I win. Mm-hmm. I just win. So why not exploit this fact? Mm-hmm. I win not because I said it in some charismatic way. I win because the universe is genuinely intriguing and exciting and opens eyes and, and, and promotes curiosity within, a, within, certainly within the educational pipeline, but it also reawakens curiosity in adults who had long forgotten it. So when you talk about uh, space culture at large, there are certainly isolated communities that are very interested, not just in space-related fields, but even, you know, you go online to Reddit, <laughs> you're oh. going to find a lot of supporters there. I yeah, mean, I, 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 I think it's great. There are people who may have, you know, in another generation were just silent supporters because there was no other way they could participate. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not literate enough or well thought out enough to get an op-ed published but now you can still you can see what people feel, even those who don't have writing experience. And I, I value that because your voice shouldn't be louder just because you have a bigger vocabulary. Everyone has outlook and feelings and emotions and ideas. And so Reddit is a is a is a forum for that. Sometimes it gets noisy, you know, people, and I understand that, that's just, but it's honest emotion spilling out over the messages people are trying to communicate. And so I was very, I was warmed by 
the warm reception that I get I got when I did mm-hmm. three AMAs for Reddit to ask me anything, mm-hmm. sit down sessions uh, with them. Well, Dr. Tyson, it was great having you on the PolicyCast, and I really appreciate your coming here. Well, today. thanks for having me. Can I slip in one last thing? I know we're short on time. Sure, sure, absolutely. But there, you, you started this interview by asking about st- getting kids interested in STEM fields, mm-hmm. but you went directly to me and what got me interested. My, professionally, I'm not worried about kids. M- most of my effort is not directed towards kids. In fact, it's directed towards adults. Adults outnumber children. Adults vote. Adults run businesses. Adults run the world. Adults write laws. And there's nothing more dangerous than a scientifically illiterate adult who is trying to make decisions about the world where science literacy matters in making that decision. So I'm I'm not worried about kids because they're born curious about their natural world. Mm -hmm. They're turning over rocks and plucking petals off flowers and Usually when they do that, we tell them, stop, don't, sit down. Like I say, you know, we spend the first year teaching children to walk and talk, and the rest of their childhood tell them to shut up and sit down. Like what kind of, this is, this squashes the native curiosity that seems to be in, in all of us in our childhood. So as an adult, the task not, should not be, how do we promote science in our kids? It's how do you get out of their way? <laughs> get out of their way. Let them explore. That's mm-hmm. the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And that curiosity will remain. And so if I had a less, if I had a, uh, a, a, a morsel of wisdom to leave with your listening audience, uh, it would be that. Well, with that, I really, again, appreciate your coming on and uh, good luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. You've been listening to PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. More information can be found at hkspolicycast.org.